Hello and welcome to the Off the Wagon podcast. Uh, another edition of Thunder Talk for you here. First three uh, games out of the All Star break, we got we got Jameson, we got Ford. I'm your host here, Bobby. And boys, a bit of a mixed bag early on. Started off really big with that Utah win, and then I don't really know if I don't really know how to feel after the loss to the Kings and the uh, Nuggets. The Kings was an accepted loss. I mean, that's one of those. Games yeah. That, you know, going into that. After the double overtime, I, the past two years, teams are 0-5 coming off a of back-to-back of a double overtime. So the statistics really weren't in our favor. Now, Denver, that's an absolutely crushing loss. So uh, Sacramento Kings game, even though it's a Western Conference game, it's like any other 82 game in, in the season. But that Denver game, we lost the tiebreaker, and our division record is getting worse and worse. We're at the point where if we want to take the two seed, we need to be a full game ahead of Denver. And that's going to be really tough when we're already four games back of them currently. Exactly. Uh, what, what do you mean by our division records getting worse and worse? Because we've won the tiebreakers versus the Jazz and Portland for both playoff teams. We're, we but, have, I mean, we're overall, six and overs them. We've, we've lost three to Denver and Minnesota. Go, we lost twice to them, yeah. Yeah. So Denver only really has one division loss. It, it really so it's six to five then. Yeah. It really doesn't matter, actually, now that I think about it, because we're already out of the tiebreaker. Unless Portland comes up, I mean, I, we already got the, tie, the tiebreaker over them. So it, the division record does not matter. All in all, it alludes to what could have been with Denver to overtake that tiebreaker yeah. and to possibly get that two, um, two spot which it's so huge because the difference between playing the San Antonio Spurs hypothetically at the seven versus playing the Houston Rockets or whatever at the six, it, that's just nightmare. Or Utah. Especially, Utah at six, too. I, I mean, y'all, y'all know how I feel about Utah. but um, It's possible. It's possible. I'm just saying it's a, it's a possible yeah. outcome. I, I'm just it's, – it's, whatever it is, being the two seed is so much more advantageous. Plus, you get the home court um, whenever you play in the second round. It's that three seed. Yeah. Uh, and especially that doesn't always matter. With though, Denver yeah. is they have a huge, huge home court advantage. Of course, I mean you got not only do you have the altitude, which you know it, it really does have a, have a big thing, even on teams that are as athletic as the Thunder. And not only that, that crowd gets wild. I mean, we've but seen it. They are best. slowly becoming one of the better crowds in the NBA. They've always been a solid crowd, and they've always really hated the Thunder. I mean, and especially the especially Westbrook. I mean. Think about think about the past couple of years. You had that guy running out on the court against Westbrook. Uh, you had the had incident those... with the mascot. Remember yeah, you that? had the ma- yeah where he's blocking the shots for the queso. You have that. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you have know, and, and now you have the little kid who who's out here trying yeah. to smack Westbrook. I want to say something though. I'm looking at Denver's schedule. The two seed. Looking at their schedule. I mean, it, assuming that we pick up the get pick up our game and turn to another gear. These guys have a pretty tough schedule as well. They play. You know, Utah, at San Antonio, at L.A., at Golden State, uh, at Boston, you know, uh, at Indiana, at Houston, at OKC, at Golden State, San Antonio again, Portland twice, Utah again. Like, they have a rough schedule as well. Yeah. Going they, ahead. I, so this thing, it's possible. I think, I think they're number four, and we are number one going into the game last night. Uh, I don't know how much that's changed since this game has passed because obviously we're both hefty opponents that will – but it's on Tankathon. If anyone wants to go look at that, that's a good website. If you're curious about Tankathon, it. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. That's incredible. Um, you know, 
but I would say, you know, coming out of the All-Star break, you know, going into that last third of the season, I feel like is so crucial for teams trying to get on a good run before they hit the playoffs and seeding-wise, you know, competing for, you know, the higher seed. In this case, the Thunder's trying to shoot for the two seed. And, um, but I think that Utah win really showed something about our team and our grit and our fight because the, Utah played very well in that game. And we overcome a like. Weren't we down seven, I believe? It was at the end of the uh, uh, regulation or it was on the first overtime. We were down seven. Came back from that. We trusted our teammates a lot. I know Grant made a big shot. Nader made a big shot. You know, when Russ fouled both – I mean, obviously our two stars played outstanding. But, you know, when Russ fouled out on that questionable charge, Paul George stepped up and really and won us the game at the end. And I thought that was a great way to start off the All-Star break. But – Coming in, you know, our players went to bed at, like, what, 2 a.m. probably? I mean, the game ended at, like, 12.30. So, I mean, I kind of expected us to, you know, possibly drop it, you know, to Sacramento, especially a team that's kind of had our number this year. Um, I think that – what are they – have they beaten us three times? Something like that? Yeah, I believe they beat us yeah, three, three times to our one. Yeah, um, we were all at the game. All of us were at the game. So, we, I mean, we saw how it went down. But, I mean, we, we our effort really wasn't that poor. For being as tired as we were, we played pretty well and competed, came back. And, obviously, there was another questionable call at the end where the Thunder could have definitely pulled that game out. You know, with, with Russ, if, if that call was called um, a, defend, or a, a blocking was- foul, Russ would have had the end one. So, I mean, it was questionable. I mean, I mean, I, they they obviously couldn't overturn it. There wasn't enough evidence, but it's still questionable. Um, it was and a so, call, I mean, and Russell said it was. So Russell said it was you know, a charge. Well, he said that's what the ref said. He didn't, You know Russ would never admit that. I mean, but he but did. He did. I saw him in the, the interview. I thought, I thought in the interview they asked him, he was like, they said it was a charge. Like that. He didn't say, oh, it was definitely a charge. Well, he didn't. He didn't like really emphatically said it, but like you knowing Russ and what you're saying here, he would have really said something if he disagreed oh. with it. He kind of just said, "Yeah, it was a charge," and he moved on. Uh, it, it, it was it was a oh. good call. That was in the okay. play, key of the game, and it's a hard okay. call to make. Sometimes it goes your way, sometimes yeah. it doesn't. But the well, biggest thing, which really with that game was, it is the most stereotypical Thunder game ever. This happens all the time. Well, we get down big and we make a miraculous comeback and we lose it at the end. How many times have you seen that in the past couple well, years? It's well, I've also seen us pull, it, pull it out too. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, that's just yeah. kind of how the Thunder's. That's just kind of the Thunder game from what I'm, in my eleven seasons of watching them. Well, yeah, it's also happened the past two games. Happened in De- the Denver game. Happened in the Sacramento game. It's just not a sustainable way to play. Um, I think because, our four, our first quarter defense has been really poor recently. We're allowing defense. Teams, no, our first quarter. First, I think our okay. yeah our teams are like we're letting opponents get thirty plus, like in the first quarter, and that is not a good way to start the game. And yeah. but anyway, um, I mean, well, on I'm moving past it on the Denver. I'm accepting the Sacramento loss, but going into Denver, I thought that was a game we we're well rested, and. We we're obviously very capable of beating Denver, and that was that was a statement game that we needed to come out and re- really, really hand it to them. And I think being down that big, I mean, granted, I mean Denver did play really well, and Paul George and Dennis Schroeder shot abysmally, but I thought that was a game where everyone needed to step up, and some of our players didn't. And, but but even though we were, 
But I mean, even with with a poor shooting aside, we were there at the like at the last like we could have definitely won that game with Dennis Schroeder shooting three of seventeen, with Paul George being seven of twenty four. We could have won that game. Russ played very well. Um, I wish he would have taken a little bit more shots. He was eight of fourteen, but I thought we were right there. But it's unfortunate that we lost that game. But it's not the end of the world. Two seeds still attainable, and I think we can definitely get back on track with a Joel Embiid list Sixers at home on Thursday. Yeah, I mean, I last night it puts me into a dilemma where it really does scare me. If Paul George doesn't play well, are we able to win big games? Uh, a lot of teams with multiple superstars in this league have that ability to where one can have an off night and then the other one can still do well. Russell Westbrook in these past couple games with counting New Orleans before the All-Star break and then Utah, Sacramento, and Denver have all been stellar games for him. Absolutely stellar. Like I've been very impressed with him. But I don't think you can count New Orleans, though, because that's without Schroeder and Grant. I'm well, then with Schroeder, he played played well still, and we're still losing. What I'm saying is it we we won the game where Paul George went out of his mind in Utah. If Paul George has a night where he goes three for 14 from three, I don't know if we have that ability to get over the hump, even with <clears> guys <throat> like Jeremy Grant and Stephen Adams playing really well last night. Well, not versus every team. I mean, that's the second seed in the West on their home court. Yeah, what I'm saying, though, is it's would you rather Paul George have a really good game and Russell not do as well, or Russell have a really good game and Paul George not do as well? I think it's really more and more we're pointing towards we need Paul George to do well, and Russell doesn't have to do as well. Well, I think even if Paul George – I mean, Paul George played like shit, but, I mean, if Dennis Schroeder – Hits two more shots, we win that game. Denver shot ten more free throws than we did. I mean, like I think we were definitely there. It's just poor shooting night. If one if one player shoots a little bit better, we could have definitely won that game. We shouldn't be relying on Schroeder to be hitting those threes, though. Honestly, and Schroeder, I, since coming back from the All Star break, has he's been rough. He's been very rough. The but Golden Patch Schroeder, curse. Yeah, yeah, the golden patch curse. He, he was a little rough at the start of the year, got rid of the golden patch. No, he's been rocky. I'm, I'm, I'm pro shave it. I love the patch, don't get me wrong, but I mean, come on, we'll give something's up here. Um, but I, I think Schroeder's game, this, it, it, it's not shucking up threes. It's never been that. Uh, he's made a lot more than he you know, has previously in his career, I feel like, this year. Um, but, you know, that's, that's just not his game. Uh, I feel like when the Thunder get, in the past few games, they've been so lax where they'll, you know, they'll, they'll chuck up threes, and it, it, it's just it's not a, it's not a good it's not a really good way of playing because once you know the defense clamps down later in the fourth quarter, it falls apart. That's been, been shooting so well. It's just kind of they're kind of coming accustomed to it. Yeah, that it shouldn't shooting shouldn't be your bread and butter. Even like I don't care what team you are, I don't even care if you're the Warriors. It should you need to be you need to be scoring a lot easier than chucking up threes. Especially with this team, agree. Yeah, um, it's just. I mean, let's let's just go back to this. The three point shooting. We said that that was a fad. We always knew that. We knew that there was going to be times where it's going to come back and bite us. And this is a game. But like more of more of to the point of a high volume Westbrook, and that's the biggest talk around town right now. Is like Westbrook high volume shooting a bunch and he's making them. Is this a good thing for our team? 
Well, he's kept us in a lot of those games. When Paul George hadn't been shooting well, Russ, Russ being a high-volume, very efficient shooter on these games has kept us in them. I mean, both the uh, – I think the uh, New Orleans game, we didn't have Grant or Schroeder, and Ferguson and Paul George played very poorly, and Russ kept us in the game. I mean, we lost, but still. Uh, Sacramento is the same case. We were in that game. After after playing a game seventeen hours before, you know. I mean, yeah, but Bobby, wouldn't you think that? I mean, just watching Russell Westbrook through all these years, if he gets on these hot shooting um, shooting streaks where he's starting to make shots he really doesn't make usually, is that going to get too much to his head and negatively affect him on his shot choice for the rest of the season? I mean, I kind of think it does. I've I've seen this happen plenty of times before, and it. It, it really it really does encourage the wrong style of play, I think, when it matters. And Westbrook, you know, some players will go on a heat check or whatever. They'll, you know, if, if you get hot, they'll throw up a shot. Westbrook, if he feels hot, he'll just go games of shooting like he's going crazy. And then everyone will criticize him. And then he has one game where he takes, like, two threes or and then, you know, has 17 assists. The thing with Westbrook is this is not his style of play. High volume Westbrook is not a good Westbrook. I even if this is keeping us in games, it's a it's it's not really a good way of playing basketball because it's going to bite us in the ass eventually. Okay, I see what you guys are saying now. I think I was misunderstanding what you were saying. Yeah, I I mean I agree with you guys. Um, I mean yeah, sure, Russ, you know, having a couple of these strings of games where he's on a hot streak and he's scoring forty points and he's being efficient with it. I mean yeah, it keeps us in games. It can win us games. But eventually, that hot streak's going to end. And but I mean, mentally in Westbrook, I mean that competitive dog in him. That's he's still going to because of these hot streaks. He's still going to try and chunk up ten threes. He might go five of ten, or the next night, you know, and when the streak ends, he might go two of ten. You know, and I I understand what you're saying. And he'll have more when it, when it, Yeah, when the, when the game comes down to the wire. It, these these recent hot streaks kind of bring that bad side into him to where, you know, like per, I think perfect example was the Sacramento Kings game. He's playing out of his mind. He's, play, he's shooting the ball very well. And actually he just tied the game on that three with like a minute left. And then we go down, we get a stop. And then he runs down and he tries to do a quick bank, bank shot jumper for a two for one. Uh, he's that kind of erratic fast break, you know, jumper. Which he can make, but I think it at that I think we should have um, at that point he should have just kind of slowed it down. We run a play and try and get a bucket instead of trying to get that erratic two for one play. And I think that's a perfect example of how a hot shooting Russ can really get the best of him at times. Yeah, I mean, and we lost the game because of, because of, because we fouled him on the next. Possession. That two for that two for one was a little rough. I feel like that might be a little different. It's data shows that those two for ones are more efficient than waiting and taking it, but. He didn't get the shot off in time to make it where the shot clock was not effective to make it. I think they, it was like twenty six or twenty something seconds. You know, no, it, it was it was thirty something. Was it? Yeah. Well, I, all I, I remember. remember is he he rushed it way too much, and it what it wasn't like he he tried too fast and it didn't work out. But the thing is with Russell is over and over you say these seventeen assist games like Bobby said. Those are the games where he gets the highest of praise. He's not a good shooter. 
he can have games where he goes six for 10 from three because that's basketball. If you're a professional basketball player, you have the ability in your arsenal, if you have the correct amount of volume, to have those kind of games. The problem with that is those games steer Russell away from the what makes him great, what makes this team great. And this kind of goes roundabout to where my initial point was. What makes this team great is when he's a facilitator and we get guys like Terrence Ferguson scoring in double digits, which he's been doing absolutely terribly lately. Him going to the free throw line last night, he looked like a little – He's so scared. You can see it in his eyes, and he just bricked the first one. This man, mm-hmm. this man's got confidence like so much, and he's not nearly getting the amount of shots that he used to at the beginning of the season. I don't know how much of that teams are just adjusting to him, or if that's just we're not looking and passing the ball much around. But Paul George, another thing with facilitating, Russell didn't get double digits assists. He went under his um, value last night versus Denver. That's something to worry about. A facilitating Russ is a good Russ. Mm-hmm. A shooting Russ is a bad Russ. But one good thing I'll say about Russ, because I, I really do say a lot about, about Russ, is at least he stopped his little rock the baby post-up fadeaway <laughs> bank shots. He's starting <laughs> to do something. I don't know if y'all realize. Those are so fun, taking, though. He's <laughs> taking no, – They make he make like one out of ten. It was, I hated those. He, he's taking it to their chest. And going up like a big man would, or going up and make, making layups or hook shots, or like really short jumpers rather than mid-range faders. And I think that's something that's great for his game. And especially if he gets a guy like Isaiah Thomas on him, that's all day. People like Damian Lillard, that might not be the type of guy to do that to, but there's a lot of guys, especially like a mm-hmm. Ricky Rubio he do really well versus, that would be great for that kind of game. And I've been really like, so definitely somebody told him that's something to do and he's worked on it. You can see that is a progression in this game. Yeah. Because yeah. the biggest thing with the rock, the baby, that was kind of weird to me is when, like you said, it was always on a fade. Really the most powerful example of Westbrook being a big guard is when he gets to the rim like that, it's that combination of size and speed that makes him so unique. And that's, that's really been that that's been the best part to, of, this quality of what Russell we've had is just how, how, how easy and not how, not just how easy he's been getting the rim, but how well he's been finishing. That's, that's true. He's he's finishing, he's finishing a career high at the rim this year. Yeah. Which is, which is great. That's exactly the type of Westbrook we need. Uh, If if he could just Mm -hmm. cut out some of those pull up threes, there was one in Denver last night that just, it it made me upset. There are actually two. We made one of them, but the other one, like, and that, that's the thing. Just because he makes one, he's probably going to chuck up another, and that's. Yeah. I just, I just don't think that's really great basketball right there. Um, you know, but if you think about it, if if Paul George hits a couple of shots last night, Russ would have had thirteen assists instead of nine. You know, you so can't play can, that game, Ford. It's if the I'm Nuggets saying, made you know five it's true. more free throws, it'd be one twenty six to one twelve instead. I mean, well, yeah, well, they shot way more free throws than us. It's all I'm trying to. You can't say that if if this guy made these shots, it'd be a different thing. That, that's not how the law of averages makes it where you pass the ball, make good passes, and if the shots go in, they go in. That's mm-hmm. it's not his fault that his assist numbers are down. I'm just saying. Yeah. Well, okay. So overall, if we're looking at this three game stretch, how would you guys grade it on a scale of A to F? Uh, C. I'll, yeah, I'll go first. I'm going to go C minus. Yeah, I'm, I'm about just a flat C. Because this could have easily been 0-3. That Jazz game 
we can we're really recency biased with how everything ended and just everything. It was not a good game. We had two really good players with Russell and Paul George, but other than that, bad defense, which is something I've been really scared of recently. And we let Rudy Gobert terrorize us along with Derek Favors. Like, really, Derek Favors going to terrorize us? Like, yeah, come on, guys. Yeah. He missed like one shot. And and it's like and it's like that. We are horrible at guarding the backside post. That is one thing that is just we need to get in practice when we yeah. get a chance and work on it. As soon as it goes down to the post, like a Rudy Gobert and Nicole Jokic, we collapse way too easily and lose our assignments and gaps. And there's that dunker position or that power forward where Paul Millsap and uh, Favors play. It's just been eating us up, absolutely eating us up. And that's not going to be able to work for us whenever we're playing against teams that have a Draymond Green there, a Derek Favors there, and a Paul Millsap there. That's that's not going to work. Ford? I mean, yeah, I give it a flat C. Um, I, I agree. With, I agree with a lot of what you said, Jameson. Um, it could have easily been. It could. I mean, it could have been zero and three stretch. I mean, if we lost Utah, we weren't gonna. We we weren't losing to the Sacramento Kings. I don't think we would. I mean, we we usually come back from back to if we lose a, a not a, I guess the first game of a back to back, we usually respond really well. So I wouldn't be too worried about that, but. Other than that, I agree with a lot of what you said. I mean, yeah. we got a tough road ahead, man. I mean, we play Philly at home. Thank God we don't. They don't have Embiid. Uh, then we play at San Antonio, Memphis. I'll get ready for this. We got at Minnesota, at Portland, at LA, at Utah. That's that road stretch. We got Lord. Yeah, it's gonna be tough. Um, honestly, I, I I'm a bit of an optimist, so I'm gonna go with C plus. I. I don't think our play was that great, but the competition being as hard as tough as it was, you know, especially with that uh, the second night of that back to back coming off the double overtime, that that sinks you no matter what. Um, I'm gonna go C plus. I, I think the Thunder could have definitely definitely played better, um, but you know what? That that, that was a tough stretch. Uh, I it actually, funny enough, played out exactly as I predicted in the last pod. Uh, I thought I, I actually nailed the games right. You know, not to not to pull a Jim Traber and you know give it up to myself, but uh-huh. but yeah, I, I don't know. I think I think there were, you know, as far as as far as that stretch goes, I I think you're all you you can be all right with the results. Hopefully, we get better. I think I think we will. The the thing is, this is this isn't going to get any easier. This is the stretch we're on until the playoffs, and then it's going to be just as tough. Uh, so I, I'm a little concerned. You know, kind of off the bat, the Thunder need to start getting into a rhythm, and I think I think the biggest thing is we we really need to make sure our role players like Ferguson really don't. Um, they, Ferguson can't fall off. We we've, we've been talking about you know can Ferguson you know sustain this that the performance we'd seen him do earlier. You know, when's this fall off going to come where he comes back to reality? He can't come back. This has to be his new reality, or else we are going to be having a lot of issues in the playoffs. When uh, when do we all think Andre Roberson's supposed to come back? I'm starting to lose a lot of confidence. I, I mean, me too. <laughs> my, yeah, so, so my inclination was since we haven't made a move to get a replacement for a spot, that means that we are somewhat optimistic that he's going to come back. But since there's no timetable to return, that, that really hurts. And with – 
like I've said, with knee injuries, it's you really can't expect much. Uh, it really, for all Thunder fans, key in this week. March 1st is the deadline for free agents to join a playoff team to if they want to be eligible to play for buyouts. So if there's a team there's a guy that hasn't been bought out yet and agrees with the buyout, that's a that's a guard that plays like that position that's Abdul Nader's spot, we're going to be going for it. And if we don't go for him, that's going to show maybe we do believe in Robertson. But I I I think yeah. I don't think he's coming back, guys. I think best case scenario, it's like last five games of the season towards playoffs. I mean, I think that best case scenario of when I think he would be able to come back. Because that's, that's in a the month. way it's going this season. Yeah, that's a month yeah. from now. And we we saw well, the video. Yeah, it's April second. It's like the last fifth, or the fifth to last game. Yeah. Yeah, and we I mean we saw the video of him taking those threes, but even then, like you can we haven't shoot. we haven't. Yeah, that's not that. That's not people who are like, oh, look at Andre, he's shooting. I'm like, okay, we haven't seen him do anything that active. We haven't seen him at the rim. We haven't seen him, you know, running around. But I, who knows? I, I just, though, I mean, he could be I, doing that in practice. I mean, I mean, people have practice access. You know, reporters have access to that sort of stuff. You can physically see oh, if Andre's out yeah. there running around. Um, and you know, it has not. He hasn't returned to practice yet. That's something to be worried about. Um, I'm, I, I don't know. I, I think, I think we should, and I think the team should probably just assume he's not coming back and work with what we have. Uh, That's just which, crazy how you skip more, a year and a half of fun. I, That's just crazy to me. Well, I mean, uh, he's had a lot of setbacks. Yeah. It's not just, it's not just been this one injury. No. You know, it's I been several other I just understand things. like how many how setbacks can really affect you like that. Well, like so they, they must be bad. Well, here's so the infected stitch, they had to go back in and redo it, which essentially started you back from day one on that stuff. And the longer you wait with a knee injury, the, the people don't think like, okay, so I, I rupture my patella tendon. I have to wait for my patella tendon to like heal. And once my patellar tendon is 100%, I'm 100%. That's not how knee injuries work. Whenever your knee goes out, you have to muscle up your hamstrings and your quads and your calves and everything around it because the lack of movement on it for that long amount of time with the trauma from surgery and you just sitting on your ass in recovery, it completely, your, your muscles just go to nothing. And so you, the whole thing with physical therapy is not like there's some special knee exercise. It's hamstring exercise, quad exercise, and then calf exercise to get your muscles strong around it to support it. Once that post-surgery becomes like all um, healed up. But since he was waiting to the point where he could get all those muscles there and then had to start all the way back from one, his muscles further became more weak. And it means that he has an even longer journey than he would have if he would have just an original, just regular surgery, if that makes any sense to y'all. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, it, it does. It does. Um I, I think it was it was like the chipped bone. I believe it was a chipped bone, correct? On, yeah. on his knee. Yeah. That I, that was more. I believe that's the bigger setback than the you know kind of the scope on clearing out the infected. Uh, the infected. Uh, I'm well, blanking. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. The infected stitch. That's what made. He was supposed to be back in January, right? That yeah. was like the original mm-hmm. plan, and then the infected stitch put him back like a month and a half. 
because that was like he was however far he was out whenever they figured that out and had to go back and it pretty much put him back to almost pretty much square one then now the micro fracture that's something that's just so minute and so we don't it's so so little known of how it uniformly affects people that it could really really be impacting him bad yeah well it's good we, to see him on the court anyway yeah, I, I think I think if they shut him down, he wouldn't probably wouldn't be doing as much on court stuff, or just any on court stuff. I I think I think we would. I think they I think they haven't given up yet, which is good. But I think it's it's starting to, it's starting to get late. So I'm I don't yeah. know. Yeah, we really if if you're a Thunder fan, just beg, just beg the Clippers. Say like I understand that you want to make the playoffs for some odd reason. But just change your mind by the end of the week and buy out Garrett Temple. Garrett Temple would be so helpful to our squad. I, I mean, I, I can't even put it into like any, like it, it. We has to. All of the bad teams would have already bought out their guys by now. We just need some kind of miracle team that's like on the fringe <laughs> to be like, crap, screw it, let's just buy out people. We're done. We'll call. Yeah. It. Because, we, we, because Memphis guys have already they're, they've already done their buyouts. They're 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 ready. They're not going to just drop. I I don't know who they got over there. Like mm-hmm. Justin Holiday. Justin Holiday would be a great guy for us, but I think they would have dropped him by now and bought him out by now. For sure, it's it, yeah. it's it's a little late in the game for that. Hopefully, I mean, hopefully someone does it, but I I really don't I really don't see that kind of on the on the horizon. Um, let's move on to something else that's been a little interesting. It seems like since the break. I don't know what, what's up with Thunder Twitter, what's up with Thunder fans, but everyone's kind of been turning on Adams, especially after last night. Uh, where turning Jokic, on Adams? Yeah, people have been people have been calling like, "Hey, maybe we should trade Adams." Like, I, I think I think we're sure overpaying that? him. Who you, in the hell you, do you follow, Bobby? Yeah, like, what have you guys f- not been have you guys not been seeing this on Twitter? People no. are freaking out. It's really just is like it just the, regular fans or is it just like legit people? Oh no, it's regular fans, just random. There it is. It, yeah, it's yeah, random. Screw I, that. I, I was just, I, no, I'm just trying to make conversation. I don't believe in it. I, How I was, many I was, Thunder Gooners do you follow? I, it's really just people replying to Thunder Gooners more than uh, anything. The comments. There you go. Yeah, okay. it's, it's yeah. the comments. I don't follow. Oh, I don't Lord. follow goons. I he just, I just so much for this team. That was just no. Yeah, no. I, it's just. They're like, oh, I'm so sick of seeing him get roasted by Zubac and all this stuff. I'm like, okay, Jokic is one of the best offensive centers this league has to offer, without a doubt. He's an MVP candidate. A fringe MVP like getting candidate. triple doubles like every week. Yeah, he's he, – look, it's just – it's silly. Jokic, Jokic was making plays that no center on earth could guard against last night. Yeah, uh, there was a lot of times where he was pulling out some moves and Adams was right there. Yeah, it's, he just made it. He just made a great shot. Great defense, better not, offense. It's not about Jokic's athleticism. It's nothing really. He does. He just has really, really good vision. It's it, you can't double him because he'll immediately find the the open spot. And, oh yeah, and that dude can it, pass. Yeah, it, it's it's and he puts himself on the top of the key and he'll give you a bounce pass in stride to the basket. Like that's what makes him so special. And the and the. Uh, the threat that he can pass that well and his vision is what makes defenders kind of off kilter. You, if you're Steven Adams and you're playing an ordinary center, say, let's say if he's playing Nurkic for Portland, you can lay off of him 
and kind of just say dare you to do something because he does he's not scared the way he passes. But with guys like Jokic, you have to play up in their grill because you can't let them have the vision to pass the ball easily and do whatever they want. So therefore, exactly. you're playing tight defense is going to make it where he can get around the corner easier. That's just how you play Jokic. You just got to pick your poison. Yeah, I that perimeter defense is going to be key. I feel like if the, if that series ever happens in the playoffs, yeah, without a doubt. And that's why Nerlens did really well because he had a little bit more length and a little bit more agility. And that's why they kept him in and ride the hot hand because he was able to kind of stay with him on the fly a little bit better. But Steven is in no way, shape, or form any kind of negative right now. Pre-All-Star break, he was doing poorly because he his back and his ankles were about to fall off. He, he needed that All-Star break so bad. And we talked about that. And yeah. then after, he came back and he looked great. Are you kidding me? Last night, he had that one fast break where he caught the alley-oop and jammed yeah. it. That looked awesome. Yeah, athletically, I just don't, right? offensively, it was fantastic. Yeah. It's, I, 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 I was really there just upset about defense. And they don't matter because, I mean, they don't really know basketball. They're just kind of hanging out. But I just wanted to hear what y'all's take was on it, really. And I don't understand, though, how Steven Adams plays so well offensively in the first half. I think he had 15 points, something like that. He puts up one shot in a second. That's that's the story of Steven Adams. It's the story with Thunder. We somehow like to get him the ball in the first quarter in the first half. And it's like, okay, let's let Steven put in work. And then the second half, he just kind of sits there and doesn't do anything. I don't know if that's a schematic thing from Billy or if that's just a Russ and PG and those guys get in game mode and you kind of just don't want to slow down the offense and feed the ball to Steven. At the beginning of the season, we said we we're going to – predicate on speed and defense mm. uh and giving a guy into the post is not really what that does and the great thing about steven is he doesn't need to get post touches he can run the fast break with better than any other center and make those hustle plays like we need steven's going to do those intangible things those things that you really don't see in the stat sheet that are going to do really well said he's one of the best screeners in the game and paul george's buzzer beaters have become they are because of Steven. No doubt. It's his screens that he sets have opened up Paul George every single time. Go watch the tapes. Yeah. For people that are criticizing Steven Adams, you cannot because they said it last night. On the, He is the prototype center for what the Thunder need. There's no way we should trade him. Nerlens Noel is leaving next year. We do not need to sign him for more money and trade Steven. We're keeping Steven. Exactly. Who the hell because, would do that? <laughs> because, because another yeah. thing, another thing to think about, we didn't really think this was going to be our year, guys. We thought next year was going to be our year because we're still going to have our whole team next year except for Nerlens Noel's leaving for most definitely. I don't think you can write that off, though. You don't know. I mean, you, I mean yeah, it's presumed that he's going to leave, but you just never know. We can't pay, we can't pay him. We got a first round pick. We're probably just going to draft the center. We're, yeah, we're paying literally him literally the vet's minimum. Like he, I know. I he, know was here, he was here to get money. Saying. He you signed. Don't, a, you don't he know if he, if he wants to win or not. If that's oh, what like, more well, important. He's never. He's never got his contract. A man that turned down what yeah. sixteen mil from Dallas to bet on himself. That man is a guy who needs his contract. He, I can almost one hundred percent guarantee you he's gone. I know. I mean, I know. I understand everything you're saying. I'm just saying I just don't like writing everything off right now because you okay. never know. Yeah, Sorry. you can wrap this one off. Yeah, but so Nerland's gonna be gone. Raymond Felton's at the end of his contract. Uh, 
Markeith will be at the end of the contract. But other than that, who everyone else has signed on for two years or more. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, I, there's like even Patterson. Patterson's got another year with us. Even oh, no. Got- poor, poor Patterson. Yeah. I, I yeah. think he, I, he probably wants out, I would think. We'll yeah. probably trade we'll, him. We'll get rid of him. But what I'm saying is, that next year is where everyone's either on the last year or they've got a couple more years in their contract. The Warriors should be broken up by then. That's our year. Let's not. I don't know. I dude, I, I think if, if the Warriors win the title this year, I can see Kevin Durant staying and trying to go for a four P just because uh-huh. it hasn't been done since Bill Russell. I, I could see him doing it. I strongly disagree with you on that one. No, I, I'm just, I'm not saying he will. I'm just saying I could definitely see that happen. I think he ends up going to New York, but. Yeah, I mean, ever literally, all the signs are pointing to New York. Everyone, everyone thinks he's gonna go there. They've, I mean, you can hear from their posse. They don't really keep things quiet. And not only that, everyone's he's trying to get his bag. He's trying to get his money. Everyone's saying like the Warriors. Oh, they're gonna break up next year. This is the year. Hell, I'm, I'm never counting out the Warriors, man. I mean, they, they you thought you thought Kevin Durant was all they could get. They couldn't get any much better. They go and get Boogie Cousins. I mean, like, that's a different you, situation. We, you, I'm just saying, dog. It, Clay's not leaving. Steph ain't leaving. Clay's not leaving. Uh, I, mean, I don't know. They'll still be good, but it's just Kevin. I'm. What I'm saying is Kevin Durant should be gone. Yeah. What I'm saying is our year. It'd be more fun if he year, left. This year is just a little icing. We've got Paul George and Russell for another four, three, four years, right? Isn't that what it is? Paul George uh, got four boy, years. Boy, he signed so a three years year guaranteed now. four year. Yeah, he can choose. Yeah. So. That, so Two let's not overreact guaranteed. on all that. One thing though that I want to say, just like as like the the good takeaways from this rough stretch, is I've really enjoyed seeing Stephen healthy again, and then I've liked the way Markeith is integrated into Patrick Patterson's spot, but I want to see him become more comfortable. I've realized that. I don't know if y'all see this, but he made one shot, shot in three games. <laughs> That's what? not true. He had, wait, he had two of five threes last night, and then he had like okay, so three shots because because he he went oh he he didn't make a shot Utah. He made one versus Sacramento. No, he so made it's three shots in Sacramento. He, I don't think so. I'll no, look it up right now. Points didn't he or nine points? I don't think so. Oh, yeah, because I, I remember he did really well. I'm looking it up right now. Let's see if I was wrong or not. You're yeah, no, Morris he, was two of eight. Sacramento. Yeah, well, well, he had a he had a couple free throws. Okay, what I'm saying is, yeah. what I'm saying is, uh, his shot looks different when it comes out of his hand every time, and that's not his normal thing. He usually kind of has a fluid shot, so he's still kind of getting those jitters off from that neck injury. I think he'll get into it. I really, what I was saying is, the good spot is I love the way. He's playing defense, except for a couple moments. He hasn't worked well with yeah. getting rotation-wise. But rotation defense is knowing your teammates, and that's something he doesn't know. But on-ball defense, he's done quite well. You know, that was that one spin where he had two blocks in like a minute. Where I think that was versus Sacramento. You know, And then there was that play last night versus Denver where he went up and got in the grill and got uh, – was it Jamal Murray or something hit it off his leg out of bounds? Yeah, this man, yeah that is that. something you would not see out of Patrick Patterson. Patrick Patterson would hide in the shadows and only make an impact on the game if he makes a three. Markeith Morris, he can miss threes but still make impact plays. Yep, you can, you can definitely tell that he's yep. been getting a little more comfortable as it, as it's been going on. Um, 
And it, it 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 obviously takes time to get warmed up to a team. Oh yeah. I mean, no no one no one unless you're a random uh, Houston Rockets point backup point guard that they just signed yesterday usually does very good whenever they you know on their first game when they get picked up. Shouts to Austin Rivers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but okay, so we've 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 kind of looked at, at at what's been going on, you know, off the start. Let's take a look at our next four here. Let's talk um, about Nuggets kid first. Uh, wait, what's that? Yes, um, Nuggets, Nuggets kid. kid. How could you forget Nuggets kid? All right, so let's talk Nuggets kid. I'm about to just rip into Colin Cowherd. Did Westbrook? Oh man, Westbrook did the right thing here. I think. Let's I think. Hear, I want to hear Ford's thing. Ford, yeah, yeah. I think Westbrook did the right okay. thing. Ford, it's please. I want to hear. Go off on this man. Um, well, I mean, he deserved it for a long time. A long time coming, but. You know, what I saw was, and actually I didn't watch the actual thing go down because I was so pissed after mid-third quarter, I just turned it off and then the run came. <laughs> so, and then I turned it on the last two minutes and we lost. So, um, but anyway, from what I've seen, I mean, the kid didn't like shove Westbrook like really hard, man. The dude was like eight years old. But I think Russ turning around and kindly talking to his father and t- kindly kind of talking to the kid saying, hey, like, you can't be doing this mid game, you know, like, and I, and I, I mean, I think he did the right thing. I think he was calm about it. And I think he has, uh, I mean, he definitely has incentive to do so because obviously, you know, last year in Denver in the same spot, he had that incident with that fan. Things can get out of control. I think fans do have too much leeway when it comes to um, talking to players um, and interacting with them, I guess, physically at times. And, I think he did the right thing. And I mean, and a lot of other, you know, players that I've seen, you know, um, who were asked about the issue have agreed with me and said the same, pretty much the same thing from, because they all vouch for us. They all talk about their experiences with when fans have been a little bit too physical. And I mean, the dude's a kid, so you're not going to scream at him. But I mean, I think talking to his father and, and mentioning saying like, Hey, like next time, you know, let's, let's not let this happen again. And I mean, uh, before I let just chew into Colin Cowherd, I'll let you guys say some things. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I thought, I thought Russ definitely handled it the right way. He just kind of, kind of, kind of gave him the glare. Kid sat down. He even pat um, on the kid's leg. Like he's not. It wasn't malicious at all. Like, well, yeah, more, yeah, no. Like Westbrook, Westbrook just kind of told him sit down. No, I, I, I think this is a non-story, really, other than. Uh, at least from Westbrook's end, I don't think he did anything wrong. Um, I think there's a lot to say about how what 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 the deal is with with Denver because th- those fans are just they're they're, they're out of line. Their, their courtside conduct is completely out of line. James, what do you think? Yeah, I think especially with like Russell and everything, it, he he wanted to make an impact on this kid to learn. I think any kid that had been sitting in those um, courtside seats that goes out, out of his way to touch him and do it. And it's not like the little kids who run out of the court that want to get a picture with Carmelo Anthony. That's different. The guy's this old kid, enough to know. This he was kid, like 8, 10, something yes, like that. This kid went out of his way and made a bad decision. And I feel like he wouldn't have learned from his mistake unless something like this happened. The people, the executives that came over and talked to him, it'd probably kind of brush over him. But if Russell Westbrook sat down and said, hey, I don't know what could have happened there. I've been confronted by fans in this arena. And who knows? I could have said something or I could have came back because I'm in full adrenaline competition mode. Who knows what an athlete would do? And you've got to be careful as a kid. 
this is like in just in general you're not supposed to touch mm-hmm. and hit other people no and and that's just a rule i disagree i mean you can yell all <clears> the <throat> that words that that's that's legal but whenever you go and touch an athlete when they're in full competition and especially russell who is an absolute gamer puts everything on the line that is extremely dangerous for a kid and that's definitely something that he needed to learn not to do and Russell going out of his way to talk to him about that shouldn't be t- uh, mm-hmm. spun as a negative thing. Some people saying like, oh, that's none of his business to, to parent that kid. Russell is such a bad Im- – like like he cusses all the time on the on the court. He's such a bad influence to all these kids. It doesn't matter as long as – All players does, cuss on the court. Yeah, like, no, and what, I'm, what I'm saying is no, 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 I, I know how Russ composes himself, he can still teach a lesson and t- tell the kid – this isn't good. Don't do that anymore, and then it'll be better for you in the future. Yeah, you and, don't like Russell could have easily thought like he might have not even known that kid was there. So when he feels someone kind of touch his leg and push him, he might have thought that was the dad and turned around and real and things could have gotten way out of control. You never and that could have been any player. So you don't know how these players are going to react. I think that was a good point that you made, and I think that was the right decision for us to kind of set aside and say something to this kid. And if Russ said something that was out of line, the father, Nikola Jokic, who was right there, and the ref would have stepped in and said something. But they didn't. Yeah. Um, yeah, I want to hear your rant on Cowherd here a bit. Yeah, is this is this like you're just generally going off on, on the guy? Well, I, well, a little bit. This is Okay, this is what Colin said today. He goes, I quote, he goes, this is just exhibit number 395 why Russell Westbrook doesn't get it, and I would never in a million years build around him. Just think how Stephen Curry, LeBron James, or James Harden would have handled it. Are you f***ing kidding me? Like, this is, like, I'm, like, at this point, it's just becoming blatantly obvious that this, that this man on live, te- on live television on a very popular sports network is blatantly and wrongfully biased against Russell Westbrook for no reason like this Russell Westbrook handled this in a very calm and professional matter I don't care like like Stephen Curry LeBron James and James Harden would have done the same thing like I'm I'm so tired of this guy on national it's like it's like propaganda in my opinion like this guy is just blatantly biased and skews so many facts so many stories and creates his own little narrative against Russell Westbrook that's so negative that I, I think it's negatively affecting his image on it, it, it makes me so mad like I, I mean I, I know you guys feel it too but like and I know he's brought other people on his show like Antonio Daniels and Chris Broussard and other people to look up and you know like and kind of stick up for Westbrook which they do but this guy just doesn't get it, and I just I am so mind blown as to how this guy continues. Like, like, what did Russell Westbrook do to this dude's wife, to his family, to like something is personal? I don't understand because when the guy when the guy is shooting a career high at the rim, he's leading the league in steals. His team is the third seed in the West, borderline two, and is the best top five defensive team in the league. He's averaging a triple-double for the third straight year. He's averaging a career high in assists and rebounds. And this, and he still finds negative things to say about him. Paul George is having a career year. 
and Jeremy Grant's having a career year. Steven Adams is having a career year. Terrence Ferguson's having a career year. All these, all his whole team is flourishing, and this guy still has something negative to say about them. I don't get it. I just don't. Well, here's what got me the most about Coward's like complaint is he was like, yeah, like Curry and Durant or Harden would have had a fun time with it. I'm like, okay, first of all, if they would have made it like a funny thing out of that, think of all the kids sitting courtside that would all of a sudden just start touching players. Exactly. If that became like a viral meme thing, you would just have kids like slapping the crap out of players. It would it would be a thing. And he brought up, he's like, yeah, like look at what you know. Some guy hit a half court shot and gave LeBron a hug. Well, you know, we, we I, I think you guys can remember after that happened, you know, the Thunder had multiple people hit half courts and they just come sprinting towards the bench. They're like, you can't go running towards the bench. This is completely not okay. So the thing is, it would have just it would have just inspired fan behavior that would have just would have been dangerous because it wouldn't have been just it wouldn't have just been little kids out there tapping people. Probably would have been grown ass men, and it just would have been. It, it, it is. It's just such an awful take from Cowherd's perspective, from from anyone's, but just an awful take from Cowherd that that should have been that, like been lightly. That's why I think something something is personal, and it's been known for a long time. Yeah. You, can't, not you can't personal, find so many negative personal. media. Westbrook's a fun scapegoat. He's he's controversial. It's well, not. He, it's not. It, it's it's not fun to like you you. It's not fun to like talk about players who aren't. Sorry, my ESPN app randomly opened and started started playing stuff there. Um, but yeah, it, it's not personal. It's more just that Westbrook is someone that you can talk about. You don't you don't want to go on rants about Nikola Jokic or or whoever. Westbrook is a lightning rod. Baker Mayfield is a lightning rod. Those guys are people they can talk about. I don't think it's anything personal. I think they're just they're just easy targets. So they embellish it every time they can get because hey, it worked. We're out here talking about them. When but no one wants people. to hear this. Like, like it, people are starting to, and I read the comment sections. People are like, "This is blatantly obvious that something like you you clearly don't like Russell, or, or or maybe if you don't think it's personal, clearly there's a negative bias towards this player to where every all the content covered on him about ninety nine percent of it is negative, and a lot of it a lot of them are bad takes." Going on what Bobby said, when you have a four-hour talk show every single weekday, you have to have things to talk about. And this is not I, – I genuinely don't think Colin Coward deep down in his heart believes everything that he says bad about Baker Mayfield and Russell Westbrook. There is just plenty of contact, con, like um, context to say about them, so he just goes and runs with it. And he knows that it gets people talking, and he says radical left-right things about players rather than stay, oh, Russell Westbrook did a good thing. Yeah, that was probably good. There, there's nothing to say there. You can't just be middle ground on everything in sports talk because there's no conversation. That's what Skip Bayless did. Stephen A. Smith did. That's what like all of those talk shows, you always have polar edges to create a conversation with the other side to make a whole network of talking. And now – Colin Coward's name is getting thrown out there. All um, news is like what? Is, what is he saying? Like all news, like bad. All publicity is good publicity. Yeah, that's but... what I'm trying to say. Yeah, all all publicity is good publicity. His show is getting put out there. People are going to be curious to tune in the next day to see if he's going to follow up on it. That is what sports talk is. And whenever you don't have much, especially every single day, 
how much sports news happens in a 24-hour span, and you have to talk about it for four straight hours after that. You know how difficult that is? Extremely. And I don't blame the man at all for finding a little niche that he can kind of go off and kind of rant. I don't blame him for it. You know, but what what separates Colin Cowherd from other guys on those type of shows like Chris Carter, Nick Wright. I mean, I know Nick Wright's terrible. I'm just throwing him out there. Nobody Stephen A. Knows. You know, like no, I'm I'm just I'm just throwing out old names like Stephen A. Max Kellerman, like all these guys on these shows, like and on on like ESPN, The Jump, on you know TNT, like all that they all admit when they're wrong, and if their opinion turns on a player. They show the good side. They show what they used to believe before. Like their opinions constantly evolve based on play. My problem with Colin Cowherd is that Russell's play has tremendously evolved on the positive side this year. We're winning games, and he still finds negative things to say about Russell Westbrook. If he that's what I don't posi- like. If he started saying positive things, he'd lose a lot of his content. You well, can't other, have- other talk shows don't. You well. How much do we talk about them? How much do they get news? And how much do they get put on social media? Oh, I'll, wow. I'll guarantee you, the Get Up doesn't get talked about much. <laughs> well, the same people yeah. on Get Up or on ESPN the Jump. Well, yeah, Greeny's not out there making hot takes, and everyone's like, "Oh, did you guys hear what Mike Greenberg said?" Oh, I'm gonna wake Wait. up at seven a.m. and watch Get Up. He had a really nice one eight hundred flowers commercial. It was great. <laughs> it was very. It was a very good ad read. <laughs> But um, <laughs> you got you got to understand what I'm saying. So don't take it personally. It's legitimately just what he's found his angle and he's rolling with it. I think. Well, I'm not taking it personally. I just hate it because I know I mean, a lot of it's not true, and I I think it, it 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 negatively affects Russell's image to some people, and I just don't like that. Well, I mean, how many wrongfully how many, it does. How how many how many video clips of Collins have you seen where he's like, have you seen circulated where he's like, hey, look at how good. Uh, Look at look at how good you know uh, Sam Darnold is doing. You know, it, like no one talks about that. No one wants to share that. It's not. A, it doesn't doesn't talk get... about it all the time. Yeah, but does it get shared? No. Him saying uh, something about Baker Mayfield, it gets shared a lot. Yeah, because you're on you're on all your USC. You know, like <laughs> everyone. Let's let's talk about Sam Darnold sites. So I I don't know. Um, uh, it's, it's enough. This is pretty good. Pretty good coward talk let's 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 scoot on a bit um uh okay so let's talk about these next four games so we got philadelphia and oklahoma city and then uh san antonio at san antonio at memphis and at minnesota uh over uh over the next week or so what's our prediction here for how the thunder are gonna fare four now i'm gonna go four and oh as well, I'm, I'm, I'm right with that. I'll go three and one. I think we win Philly, lose San Antonio, win Memphis, and at Minnesota. San yeah. Antonio is fallen. They are falling as hard as they can right now. They, I don't know what's going on. They lost to the mm-hmm. New York Knicks. I can't it's, trust it, that. It's been a disaster of a rodeo trip. They them. lose to what, Brooklyn. One of the worst ever. Yeah, they got killed. Brooklyn whooped them. Yeah, Brooklyn's also very improved this year. Yeah, but still, it's it's this Spurs yeah. team has been free falling. I think they're, I think they're a pretty solid candidate to miss the could, playoffs. Even they could be looking for a big bounce back win versus us. The problem yeah. with San Antonio, Dang, playoffs, I'm looking at their schedule. Would. They usually would, but the problem is they're competing with teams like the Clippers and the Lakers, and 
like that are teams that are also doing the exact same thing as a skid. Who knows? Minnesota might creep up and take it. It's yeah. the weirdest thing. Minnesota's ahead of the Lakers right now. That's crazy. <laughs> like the Lakers this... are also one of the big free falling teams. <laughs> Honestly, I think one of the biggest parts about getting that two seed is having to is you'll get you'll you'll face one of them. You'll face either the Spurs, oh, the Lakers, probably not the Lakers. I do not want to face the Laker. I'm just, I just don't like facing LeBron, man. It's <laughs> huge. It's huge to get the two seed, and it was a huge squandered opportunity from last night. There, it, that's why it was advertised as the biggest game of the season. Because it was, it, it was vitally important. I'm just saying, there's a huge leap between the seven and the six in terms of quality of play. The six is going to be good, no matter who it is. Seven is going to be okay. But like yeah. it, that's that's going to be a very significant jump, I believe, and I, that's why I, the, the two yeah. is important. The two is very important because don't quote me on it, but I think I'm right on this. The seven seed has never made it to the conference finals, at least in the Western. I think I, I'm I'm pretty sure. I mean, I, don't quote me on it. I think I heard that from somewhere. But the seven seed, at least, maybe if they have made the conference finals, maybe a couple times very 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 rarely but the percent the seventh seed has the lowest percentage out of all teams to ever play in the playoffs to make the conference finals or finals yeah we we have seen the we have seen an eight seed make the nba finals in 1999 shout yep. out to the knicks yep never the seen a seven seed you don't hear about lock- seven seeds going on runs not really i don't know especially I, not I, this year yeah but I, I think the Thunder are going to bounce back. I think relatively this is a, a, a drop in competition. Minnesota always scares me because of what, you know, what we've had to deal with it with them this year. But I think, I think we'll get past them. I think they're, I think they're probably good. They, they, they have not forgotten, you know, the, the past couple games against them. I, I don't know. I, I like this stretch. I really like us in San Antonio. I like us against, really like us against the Embiidless uh, 76ers. Yeah, I just I like this. Memphis is a joke. That's going to be a win. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm hopeful it needs to happen. We need we need to get on some sort of roll. Yeah, I think yeah. I, I think yeah. we will. Yeah. So four and zero, four and zero, three and one. Uh, San Antonio lost. That that'd be a tough one. But good thing what I'll say is San Antonio Memphis is a back to back. But it's good that San Antonio's on the front end of that. We can put yeah. all of our effort into that San Antonio game and really have low effort going into that Memphis game. That's a good yeah. Memphis ain't trying to win. No. No, no, no. I mean I mean, let, let's let, I just want to say how bad was that Lakers loss in Memphis? I'm just you're fighting for your playoffs playoff lives and you let you let yourself lose to a team that was playing Chandler Parsons nineteen minutes. Nineteen minutes. <laughs> Dude, Jokum Noah looked like a damn all star person. People, some people, yeah, he did. He 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 played. He he made them look bad. The man had fourteen points and twelve rebounds. When have we seen that in twenty three minutes? A Jokum Noah double double in twenty three minutes. Two thousand. Come on, that was the last time we saw that. Gee, it's what a disaster. Um, Some people thought Lakers were going to be a. I saw this argument somewhere, but I really do think it is it's just your veterans on the team aren't stepping up. And youth is such a great thing for the Lakers, but you need veteran leadership whenever the tough gets going and you have all these kind of conflicts. I don't think LeBron's much to blame as the guys like Rajon Rondo 
Tyson Chandler. His defense is to blame, though. Um, people like that. Rajon Rondo and Tyson Chandler need to be doing better than what they did. 16 minutes, Tyson Chandler didn't score. Rajon Rondo is one of six in um, 16 minutes. They they need to be bigger parts in that offense. They need to be bigger parts of that team if the Lakers want to have any chance at all. It's not yeah. just LeBron. You need a group of players. I agree. Yeah. No. Other than that, it's fine. I, I think we got a hard schedule, but this is probably our easiest four-game stretch that we're going to have for the rest of the season. So really, really hope that we capitalize on it. I think we should. All in all, we played pretty poorly our last three games, but there were some bright spots in it, and especially with uh, Marquis finally getting integrated, I think we're going to start seeing a lot of things that make us optimistic for the rest of the season. So next time we convene in a podcast, I feel like we'll be a lot better. Yeah, and I think we'll be a lot higher than so. Keith Morris. And I think, uh, I think, I think we'll hopefully this is this is a nice stretch for Ferguson and Morris, and really just everyone to kind of like shake off the rust a little bit, move forward towards this final stretch. So, kind of started off with the tough trio of games, but this is a nice. This is the this is the part to like, you know, get back into motion. We we really need to go four and zero here. Uh, at the worst, three and one. So. I think that's, I think, yeah, that's pretty much it. So thank you guys for listening so much. Uh, please hit us up with that five-star rating. You can find us everywhere. We are five-star men. We are five-star men. We are five-star men. All of us, five stars. Um, we're on iTunes, Spotify, uh, Breaker, Stitcher, literally all of it now. We, we have, we've really, we've expanded out there. We're all around. So hit us up, Off the Wagon, Thunder Basketball, and more. Shouts to the new name, by the way. Um, but yeah, so thank you guys for listening so much. Uh, we really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah. Uh, any last things I want to say? Nope. We got it. Out. Out. We had a lot, a lot of things to talk about this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. We, we covered a lot. So for me, Jameson and, uh, Ford, thank you so much for listening and, uh, thunder up.